0: This past Tuesday here in California, the California Lottery Mega Millions reached $400 million. Now, I don't want you to nod in case some of you went out there and bought a ticket. But a lot of people did. $400 million, that's a lot of money, right? And even though you're not the gambling type, I'm sure you've imagined what it would be like to win a whole lot of money. What would you do with it? If somehow, maybe through the lottery, or maybe a rich uncle somewhere, or unbeknownst to you, you were descendant, heir to some throne, and you received a whole lot of money, what would you do with it? Or maybe your startup tech company suddenly, you know, uh, posted a new IPO, and you made lots and lots of money and became a new tech millionaire. What would you do with it? Would you put it in a bank, reinvest it, stocks, mutual funds? Would you buy yourself something nice or would you give it away? If you had won the lottery, if you had received millions of dollars, would you give it away? I know she would. (laughs) Imagine that, coming into some enormous treasure. Would you give it away? Open your Bibles, please, to the book of Acts. We are in Acts today. Today's the last of our series on hope, and uh, we want to take a look at a story in the book of Acts. This is the fifth book in the New Testament after the four Gospels. After the Gospel of John, we find the book of Acts, and the book of Acts is a fantastic book. Most of the time, people don't get that far. They stay in the Gospels. Uh, obviously because Jesus Christ is there and all that he did is there. But Acts describes the beginning of the Christian church. In fact, in the first chapter of Acts, Jesus leaves. He goes up just as he promised up to heaven. And then the people are left to do what he had trained them to do. So the book of Acts is like, a, it's like an annual, like, like, a, like a memory book, like a keepsake, um, a journal of the beginning of the Christian church. And we find amazing things happening in the book of Acts. And I want us to pick up the story here in chapter 3, of the book of Acts. If you didn't bring a Bible, there's one in the pew in front of you. you. may not read his mind, but follow along anyway. The Bible says that one day, Peter and John, verse 1, chapter 3, book of Acts, were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. And now a crippled man from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. So Peter and John were going up to the church at three in the afternoon because in the Jewish synagogues that was the time of the evening sacrifice. All their lives they had known that there was a special time of prayer about three in the afternoon. Even after their time with Jesus, Peter and John still went to church. And they went to church at the time that they were accustomed to So the Bible describes this incident as they're just going up to church, going up to pray, as was their custom. And on their way up to the church, on their way in, there was a crippled man. And the Bible tells us that he was being carried. And, 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 And the author here wants to make sure that we understand how he became crippled. How did he get this disability? And the Bible says that he was born this way. You see that? From birth, a man was crippled and he was being carried to the gates. Because he was disabled, he was unable to care for himself or at least provide for himself. So the only way that he would be able to survive and make some money was to be put in an advantageous place where he might ask people for an alms. A little bit of money, a little bit of help. Certainly, you've been asked before. We don't know who exactly carried him. Maybe it was people that knew him, relatives, friends, or just those who took pity and brought him and put him there on the way up to the temple. And there, he was taken every day, the Bible says, to ask for money. He was taken there every day because you and I know you've seen people ask for money, and and, and I'm sure you've given some money away to those who asked, but you know that it's very little. It wasn't like he could go and and be there one day and have enough to last for a week. No, the Bible tells us he would go every day because he would live off the tiny little bits of gifts that he received from the people passing by. And the Bible tells us that when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Have you been asked for money recently? I'm sure you have. And I don't mean the offering kind, (laughs) because that just happened. No, I mean like on the street. Have you been asked for money lately? Maybe at the grocery store. Sometimes people are at the gas station. Or maybe when you just get off the freeway, usually that's an advantageous spot, right? Whatever exit of the freeway you have, the one on Plaza Boulevard, I go uh, to uh, pick up my kids from school, and there's usually somebody on either side. Like an advantageous spot, they hold a sign. Have you been asked for money? I know you have. And I'm sure that some of you give, and some of you are not accustomed to give, and you might have your reasons. But the Bible tells us that this man wasn't on the freeway somewhere. he wasn't on a highway, and by the way, he was on the steps up to church. Now picture that for just a moment, right? Let's say you're coming into church this morning, you parked your car, and as you're making your way down past the cookies, there's a disabled man there. Asking for money. Would you give? you think twice about it, right? It's pretty smart. You're coming into church. You're looking nice. You're coming in to pray. And there's a disabled man saying, give me some money. Of course, you'd, I know you. You'd probably be like, no one's looking. you just walk right by. But somebody's looking. Oh, yes. Well, yes. Let me, let me see what I got here. I think this man was put there because he figured... And those who carried him figured that when people would come to church, they would be moved at least a little bit, and they might take pity on him. If not on the way in, maybe on the way out. And the Bible tells us that he was there every day. And when he saw Peter and John about to go in, he asked them for money. Sirs, please, can you help me? Can you help me? I wondered if he had seen them before. I wonder if uh, Peter and John had uh, made their way up and down day after day. And since he was there every day, maybe he would seen them before. Maybe he'd recognized them. Maybe he knew they would normally come for prayer. And he thought, well, if these guys are coming in for prayer regularly, if they show up to church all the time, it must mean that they have a good heart. Amen? Would they say the same about you? I don't know. The Bible tells us that he asks Theologians think that maybe since he was there every day, he knew something about them. Maybe he had heard the church gossip, the temple gossip. See, because in the chapter before, in chapter 2... Peter and John and the rest of the disciples experienced something amazing. We call it the day of Pentecost. Just before this, the events of this where, where the Holy Spirit showed up and people were being converted to Christianity and people were speaking in tongues and people were being healed and miracles were happening and others, all this, this amazement. That's what just happened in the chapter before. And even after all this took place, Peter and John still would go to church theologians think that maybe this man had heard in the temple gossip. You know the temples had gossip too, just like the kind you hear in our lobby. Well, people were saying this and people were saying that. And maybe he had heard about these guys, Peter and John and others like them. And so he thought, let me give these guys a shot. And he asked them for money. Why do people who are in trouble always ask for money? Well, you and I know money makes the world go round, right? At least that's how we think. But you know, money rarely accomplishes anything that isn't just temporary. Think about it. How much money would this man need from Peter and John to actually change his circumstances? Probably a lot more than what you might give to someone on the side of the road, right? But that's all he knew how to do. See, he was there every day asking for just a little bit. Somebody, somebody, somebody give me something. Because whoever gave him a little something meant that he would be able to survive at least one more day. At least another day to return and beg again. Somebody help me. Give me something. And the Bible tells us that he asked Peter and John for money. But Peter, verse 4, chapter 3, but Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And then Peter said, hey, look at us. I've been thinking about this and trying to picture this in my head. The Bible describes this exchange as Peter and John are, are about to go into the church, and suddenly this man sort of reaches out and interrupts their walk. And the Bible tells us that Peter looked straight at him. It's another way of saying that Peter sort of stopped, paused, and studied him. He actually looked at this man. He didn't just walk by this time. Who knows? Maybe he did in previous days. But on this day, he stopped. He looked at him. But the man would not meet his gaze. So Peter says, hey, look up. Look up. Look at us. Maybe the man was accustomed to just saying, hey, would you give me some money and look away? Maybe he was ashamed. Maybe he didn't want to get rejected. Maybe it happened all the time. Probably did. And so when he asked for money, he expected that they would just throw him a little something and be on the way. But, But Peter and John stop and they say, no, look at us. You see, the difference in this moment is that Peter and John are actually seeing him. They're noticing him. They're studying him. That's what that phrase means, look straight at him. And verse 5 tells us that the man actually looked up this time and gave them his attention, expecting something from them. Now that Peter had stopped and said engaged eye contact, now the man said, okay, this is looking promising. You know what that's like, right? You pull off the side of the road. There's a guy with a sign, and you look. If you make eye contact... You better roll down your window, right? But that's why you don't make eye contact, huh? You're just like, green, please, green. And they come by, and they do this, and you're just, oh, my radio, oh, my phone, uh-huh. And you're hoping that the light would turn green so you can keep going and pretend that just never happened. I'm sure many people passed him each and every day on the way to the temple without giving him a second look. But this moment, this time, Peter stops and he says, look at me. And so he says, oh. And he looked up, gave him his attention, expecting to get something. And then Peter looked at him in the eye and he said, silver and gold I don't have. It's a fabulous line. You should use it. Right? Silver and gold, I don't have. I'm sure you've been tempted. Well, actually, you, you probably do use it. You're going in somewhere, you're driving on, somebody catches your attention. Sorry, you're like, I don't have any money. Huh? At least no cash. That's a good excuse all the time. Oh, I don't have any cash on me. Sorry, do you take credit cards? You better watch out because soon they will. I'm warning you. I don't have any cash. But no, he says, silver and gold, I don't have. And I can just imagine the man who gave his attention thinking, hey, this might be something. And Peter says, I don't got any money. And probably his heart sank. Maybe he thought, oh, you're wasting my time. Peter says, I don't have gold. I don't have silver. But what I do have, I give to you. What I do have. Now, you've probably heard the story. You've read the story. Maybe when you were in Cradle Roll, you sang the song. Silver or gold? Have I not? Right? All right. All right. We'll get to the rest of the song in a minute. I've been asking myself, it's easy to go, well, I don't have any money. But Peter isn't trying to get out of this moment by saying, I don't have any money. He's trying to step into the moment. And he says, I don't have any money, but what I do have, I will give to you. And I've been asking myself this question, what does he have? What does he have and how does he know he has it? What leads him to believe that he has anything? Certainly, in our day and age, if you don't have money, if you don't have silver, and you don't have gold, then you don't have anything. That is the only thing we seem to value, both in our circles and out of our circles. Those who have a lot matter. Their voices are heard. Their needs are met. Those who have little are ignored. They become invisible. They are marginalized. But he says, I don't have money, but I've got something else. Maybe it was the fact that they just came from Pentecost. I mean, uh, theologians <laughs> don't know how long. Maybe it was a few days. Maybe in a, a month. Maybe it's the fact that Peter was just at a time and a place where the Holy Spirit that had shown up. I'm sure if you've seen this picture, if you've been in Adventist long enough, these little tongues of fire. You know what I'm talking about. Little hair licks of fire. Okay, if you don't know what I'm talking about, then... Go to Sabbath School. Um, we have this picture, and ever since I was little, you could see when they describing this thing of Pentecost, there's everyone in the church, and they have these little little things, little, little fire things representing the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's what just happened. And, and maybe Peter is saying, like, look, I don't have gold or silver, but I was just at this amazing worship service when all kinds of things went down. Maybe he knows that he's touched something greater. Was the Pentecost? Was that what gave Peter the confidence to say, "I got something for you"? Maybe it was all the people that converted. Maybe Peter said, "You know what? I don't have any money, but I've seen a whole lot of people baptized, and I'm pumped up, and I got something for you." Maybe it was the fact that Peter had been there at the resurrection. When he had run to the tomb and not seen Jesus, and Jesus was gone, even though they had killed him and buried him, maybe Peter knew, I, I don't have silver or gold, but I've seen somebody come back from the dead. I got something for you. Or maybe, maybe it was the fact that Peter had, not long ago, felt like a beggar himself after the day that he denied Jesus. You recall the story. Our own Yesman preached a great sermon just a few weeks about it. Maybe Peter remembered what it was like to be in this man's shoes. How he had been left helpless and hopeless after he had rejected Jesus. You remember that? But Jesus had seen him and given him hope. We all need hope sometime. This man here, this, 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 this disabled gentleman was hopeless. He had been just eking out a living day after day. He needed help, but he had been there so long. He had just been there and accustomed to living this way for so long that he was willing to settle for just a few coins. Peter, John, you church people, all I need is a few coins. He didn't even know it was possible to hope for more. Maybe you know what that's like. Maybe you've suffered all your life or, or for a long time, and you've gotten, you've gotten accustomed to just dealing with pain and suffering and living with anxiety, and just maybe you're accustomed to just eking out, day. I just need to get up and get through this. Just go to work. And all you want is you're begging for a little bit more energy just to get you through this day, just to get by. And maybe you think, I guess that's just the way it is. This problem, this situation, some of you think, I I must have just been born this way. Like him, he didn't even know what hope was. From birth, all he knew was uselessness. Begging, no purpose, no meaning, just trying to survive. Or maybe you're like Peter. Maybe, like Peter, you have at one point, maybe even today, found yourself on the losing end of your faith. You see, Peter had been, you remember at one point, so bold, so committed, so strong in his faith and his belief. He had seen it all and done it all. He had walked with Jesus, heard from Jesus, cast demons out in Jesus' name. He had broken bread into thousands of pieces for people. He had walked on water. And he had promised to follow Jesus all the way. Jesus said, Peter told him, even if everyone else turns it back, I will never let you down, Jesus. You remember him. That was Peter. Bold, committed, all the way. And suddenly, in the fog of just one night, one night, he turned us back on that very same Jesus. Where he denied him and he, and he cursed him. He damned Jesus. And then Jesus saw him. Peter had been at the top of it all. Riding on the wave of Jesus' Momentum. And then he had lost it all. He had left his new life as an apostle. He had left his new meaning as a servant of the Son of God. He had given it all up. And there at the bottom of his character, when he had just thrown it all away, when he had exchanged his apostleship and returned it for his old fishing nets, Jesus saw him. Jesus noticed him. And he said to Peter, Look up. Look at me. Do you love me? You remember? Peter, thrilled at the thought of a second chance, said, yes, Jesus, I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. You see, when Peter's going into this church right in this moment, as he's walking in, he realizes that we all need hope sometime. Some of us have needed hope for a long time. And some of us find ourselves in our situations right now that are desperate. And Peter knows you can be riding high one day and go crashing down the next. He's lived it. He's seen it all. So when he sees this man, he looks at him and he says, I don't have any money. I don't have any gold or silver. But I do have something. I've got hope. Hope in the name of Jesus Christ. Peter says to him, this thing that I have, I will give to you. See, Peter had found hope. And Jesus himself, who not only forgave him from denying and cursing Jesus out, Peter had found hope in Jesus because Jesus not just forgave him, but he gave him back his name, gave him back his call, his future, his purpose. He said, once again, you can be fisher of men. And Peter says, I don't have money to change your life. I don't have enough money to change your circumstances. But what I do have, I will give to you. And this is it, in the name of Jesus Christ. It's all that he had in the name of Jesus Christ. Because you see, Peter knew firsthand that hope can only be found in that one name. Everything else you put your hope in is going to let you down eventually. Your job, your career, you can get fired just like that. You know that. One wrong move, one bad mistake, one lack of judgment, and you'll be out. Your good looks, trust me, they fade. I used to be good looking once. Look at me now. You're so kind. I see myself in the mirror every day. My brother reminds me. He's like, what happened to you, brother? (laughs) Look, everything that you're putting your sense of value on is going to let you down. Your wife, your husband, your best friend, they do love you. But if Peter denied Jesus, turned his back on Jesus himself, do you think your people are always going to be there for you? No, you know better than that. But Peter said, there's hope in one name and one name only, in the name of Jesus Christ. That's where hope is. I don't have gold, I don't have silver, but I have this. I have the name of Jesus. That's where hope is. Because at the name of Jesus, the earth shakes. At the name of Jesus, the nations tremble. At his name, the demons go running. At his name, the storms are silenced. At his name, the blind can see, the deaf can hear, and the crippled can walk. In the name of Jesus Christ, he turns to the man, get up. In the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk get up from your past get up from your prison get up from your fears get up from your shame and your guilt just get up get up and walk out of these circumstances i don't have money to change them but jesus can change them for you because jesus can change your heart and your conscience in your past get up and leave your aimless rudderless life get up and walk in the name of jesus christ but you don't want to hear that because you don't believe it's real You've heard that all your life before, some of you, but you're still hanging on to your shackles, sitting by the side of your, the road of your life, just begging for a little bit of energy and a little bit of money to eke out another day of meaningless life. Well, Jesus Christ is walking by. And the Bible tells us that Peter took his hand and pulled him up. You know, that's the truth, friends. Sometimes we need a little help. Peter said, get on up. And then he grabbed his hand and he pulled him up. Maybe you're there today and you need someone to help pull you up just a little bit. In that moment, this man had never been heard but hope before. No one had ever told him there could be more to, the, to life than what you're doing. And so when Peter said, get up. He didn't know what to do. He had never gotten up in his life. So Peter took him by the hand in the name of Jesus Christ. And suddenly his feet straightened out. His quads began to fire. His calves began to flex. And the Bible tells us that in the name of Jesus Christ, he jumped up to his feet. And he began to walk. And he began to jump. And he began to praise God. Saying hallelujah. See, you sing those words, you read those words, but you don't mean it. But imagine for just a moment if you had been like this man, crippled all your life, and suddenly you were given the treasure of walking. Imagine if you were like Peter, having lost it all, and suddenly you won the lottery of forgiveness. How would you respond to that? Would you be like, oh, thanks. That's great. Appreciate it. The man got up and he began to walk and he began to run and he began to jump and he began to sing praises to God. The Bible tells us that immediately he got up and he jumped to his feet and began to walk and then he went into the church into the temple courts, all his life, all he did was sit outside and wait outside, wait for something that looked like, like faith and hope that he had never seen from anyone. But suddenly Peter said, get on up, and finally he could go into the church, and he went into the church, not with head bowed, not in silence, not in reverence, but jumping and leaping and praising God. Cue the song, please. Cue the song. Right? Can you believe that? praising God. That's right. I've seen the kids do it over there. Can you believe that? Jumping in church. I'm sure there were people just like you saying, shh, hey, pipe down. Shhh, shh, shh, hey. You're being too loud. Sit, sit down and be quiet. But he would not be silenced. He was finally free. In the name of Jesus Christ, everything has changed. In the name of Jesus Christ, he is finally free. Walking and, le- he just couldn't help it. Can you imagine that? It's like, it's like winning $400 million. What would you do with that? Oh, no, no, just, just put it away. Don't talk about it. No, you'd be like, hey, <laughs> Facebook. Well, you probably don't want to do that. But you'd be calling somebody, right, with that big old check. You've seen the pictures. You'd be buying a new car. Hey, check me out. Look at my new house. If you had suddenly come into an enormous treasure, would you just sit on it? Or would you be beaming? This man was crippled, left to essentially wait to die. But now, in the name of Jesus Christ, he could not only walk, he could jump. And if he could jump, he could praise. And he began to praise God in church. He began to jump up and down in church. I'm scared to jump right now because you're looking at me weird already. But think about it. He was jumping up at church, raising his hands, clapping his hands. The Bible says that he was shouting. And he jumped and began to walk and began to shout and began to praise He just couldn't help it. Everything had changed for him. In the name of Jesus Christ, he had been given hope. And the only appropriate response, the only legitimate response, the only acceptable response when you've been crippled all your life and suddenly you can walk is to jump in the name of Jesus Christ. To jump for Jesus. So if you're not jumping, if you're not praising Jesus, Maybe it's because you haven't got a hold of his hope yet. Maybe it's because you're still just begging for a little bit of money and a little bit of blessing and a little bit of food. Maybe you're just begging for another day, Lord Jesus, just get me through this day, and you don't know he's got so much more for you. Maybe you're just crippled at the side of your life, at the side of your purpose, and Jesus has got more than just a little bit of money for you. In the name of Jesus Christ, he's got purpose. And all the things you dream about that money cannot bring, you know what they are? Joy. Yeah, money will make you happy for a little while until it runs out. Forgiveness. No amount of money can buy that. Trust me. I know you tried. You bring your wife some flowers and stuff and buy some perfume, expensive jewelry, but there's no guarantee. The Bible tells us that in the name of Jesus Christ, this man was jumping. He had been healed. And all who heard and saw him began to be amazed. See, when you've been given hope, when you've been blessed, when you've been empowered, when you've been given purpose and meaning, you've got to share that. You have to give it away. It's like a treasure that you can't sit on. Just like Peter and John, this man wanted everyone to know what had happened in his life. He wanted to shout and leap and tell everyone. And every jump filled people with wonder. Every word of praise made people take notice. We all need hope sometime. Trust me, you might be there right now. We find it only in Jesus Christ. He's the one who sees us. He's the one who heals us. He's the one who calls us even when everyone else walks by. And we claim that hope by being grateful to him. And we show our gratitude and grow our gratitude in our praises. We were meant to get up and walk. We were meant to get up and praise. We were meant to get up and share because hope must be shared. You can't just hog it up to yourself. If Jesus has done anything for you, then then you have it. Just like Peter, you have it. And it is not monetary. It's different. You have those words in the name of Jesus Christ. You have hope. Now you and I must go and share it because there are people all around us just like this man Don't even know what hope is. They are stuck in their lives. They are crippled. Slaves to the same thing, slaves to the same meaningless job, the same habits and vices that control every impulse. They're slaves to the same mundane things. They live week after week, week after week, not knowing that there can be more. But in Jesus' name, you and I have something to share. It is called hope. In Jesus' name, there is purpose, there is joy, there is forgiveness, there is community, there is singing. So you've got to tell them, look around, just look around your own life. Look around your family, look around your people, even your own children, some of you. So many need to hear, and you know what, you can do it. Just a few simple words, a word of encouragement. Tell them about God. You know that a lot of people are at the end of their rope, ready to give up. so many are suffering, if you're there today maybe that's you today if you need to hear it then listen to this in the name of Jesus Christ your sins are forgiven in the name of Jesus Christ you are no longer a slave not to your fears not to your past not to your guilt in the name of Jesus Christ there is hope for you There is hope for me, not just for tomorrow, but for today. So I say to you and to me, get on up and walk.